0: Hey, thank you to our praise band, worship band. They were doing both, worship and praising, so it's good stuff. Uh, thank them for, for what they do. And hey, uh, glad you're here, whether this is your first time, your hundredth, you know, your thousandth, I don't know how long you've been in school, um, but um, I'm a native Athenian, so I'm not going to lie, summers in Athens are nice because there's not much traffic and the lines at the drive-throughs don't take very long, except at Canes where it always takes forever. Um, um, but it is so good uh, to see this room uh, with this many people in it. So welcome uh, once again, you've been welcome multiple times already. But welcome once again to Christian Campus Fellowships dinner and a message. Uh, whether you are joined, this is normally the part of what I'd say. Whether you're joining us in the room or on our live stream, but you may have noticed we don't have our cameras up because our live stream. There are these gremlins that live in our various technology stuff, and of course, they showed up yesterday. Um, so normally, if you're new, normally we have a live stream. So if you ever, you know, can't make it for some reason, you're not feeling well or whatever, we've got that. Uh, but we always have a podcast. Um, so that doesn't usually get posted until, you know, the next day. The, the live stream's the whole program. The podcast is, is just a talk. We just want to let you know that that's a that's a thing, or that those are two things, I suppose. Um, my name is Donnie Holliday, in case uh, I have not met you, I am one of your staff members. Um, <clears throat> if, uh, if you're new and, and you, you come back, there's a good chance I'll be up here. I do the majority of our talks, though I don't do all of them. We've got uh, a, a great staff and graduate assistant and ministry assistant team, and, and so some different folks will be up here. I am up here the majority of the time. Uh, come back one Thursday next spring and our senior leaders, the backbones, will be up here. <laughs> So I'm excited about that, so that's like not until March, I get excited pretty easily around here, but I'm also excited to talk to you about our theme, which if you've looked around the room at all, you might have an idea of what it is, it's Kingdom of Heaven, either there or there, either one, Uh, where heaven and earth meet is kind of uh, our tagline, so we have this intersection here, Um, it just went that way. Oh, another one went. That was a, that was a different one going that way. Okay, um, that's normal. By the way, the fire truck always goes through on on Thursday nights. It seems like, uh, but that's our theme: Kingdom of Heaven, uh, where heaven and earth meet. And that we we do themes for two reasons. Number one, so you'll have an idea of what to expect when you come in every Thursday. And Number two, to rein me in, because if it was, hey, Donnie talks about whatever he wants to on Thursday, who knows what it might be um, sometimes. But you know, we oftentimes don't think about heaven and earth meeting, so we're going to really spend this year showing that that's already the case. It's been the case for a long time. If you looked at our, I'm going to kind of explain the wall a little bit here since it's our first uh, Thursday of the semester. If you look back here at this part and you're kind of like, that looks like a fancy tent right there. Um, you're right, it is. That's something called the tabernacle, which in the first part of the Bible, um, God 's people, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, all, all the same group of people, they built basically a mobile temple. that was the place where God's presence was said to dwell, the place where heaven and earth met. So that's why uh, that's painted there. Uh, later on, Jesus comes onto the scene, and basically he 's where heaven and Earth meets. Uh, so that's where we're going to spend uh, the majority of our time uh, hanging out in one of the accounts of Jesus time on Earth. It's a book of the Bible called Matthew. Uh, if you're not familiar. With, uh, with the Bible split, traditionally split up into two sections sometimes called the Old Testament and the New Testament um, honestly I don't like those terms because we think the old's not worth our time because it's old even though it makes up about 75% of the Bible uh, so it is pretty important I'm getting used to a new mic here y'all so just bear with me I need a little slack on this cord because I move my head a lot I need a haircut really bad too um, laughter Sometimes I just say random things up here, by the way, if you're new, but you'll get used to it, or not, I don't know, sometimes I don't even, you never know what's going to come out sometimes, uh, but we're, we're going to look at um, the second part of the Bible, is called the, the New Testament, and the first four books are basically biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, named after the men credited with writing them, and we're going to hang out uh, in Matthew's gospel uh, this year, but... It's the longest one. There's no way we could do justice to it if we tried to go from beginning to end. So that's where this wall comes in. We're splitting into three series. Uh, The back part, uh, it says the kingdom of heaven is like, and you see some different things painted. That's where we're going to talk about stories that Jesus told to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. Parables is what they're called in the Bible. Uh, The next part, we see Jesus kind of interacting with some people, and we're going to spend some time um, looking at Jesus' interaction with specific individuals and small groups. We're going to look at how specifically Jesus seemed to go out of his way to talk to the people that most people went out of their way not to have to talk to. So there's no relevancy for that in your day-to-day life, though. Um, and then the last part will be here where we'll look at some, some of uh, Jesus' preaching. So see, they all, you know, all start with the same letter because like preachers have to do that. So at parables, people, and preaching. Here we'll look at some of Jesus' longer monologues. We'll spend some time in something called the Sermon on the Mount, which is, I'm talking fast because I'm excited and I had not done this in a while. So I'm going to try to slow down. Um, but the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew's chapters, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. If somebody told me I could only have three chapters of the Bible, those would be the three I picked. They're that good. Um, if Christians would just live out those three chapters, we would not have the horrible reputation we have, and the world would be a much better place. But we'll get to that next semester. That's, that's called a tease. So you're going to keep coming back for that. But with all of this, with all of it, and I would love to say it's going to be 10 weeks in each one, but who knows? Roughly 10 weeks. We'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, all of this is going to come back uh, to our theme verse, which is painted back there and is going to be right there. Matthew four seventeen: the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Okay, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. We're going to keep coming back to this idea. Now, um, that, if you're looking at that and you're kind of familiar with Bible translations, you're like, what in the world is the PNT? I have never heard of that. Did Donnie just make that up? Uh, no, that stands for Phillips. Uh, Mr. Phillips is a dude that Ditta knows a lot about. Uh, the Greek language that the Bible was originally written in. The Bible was not written in American English to begin with, um, and so he actually did his own uh, translation, uh, mixed reviews of it. So if, you're, if you are thinking, I'll just Google it and see, oh, there's some bad reviews of it. Okay, maybe, but this is a really good translation um, of this, because other other translations, and I, I realize I'm saying translations. If you're not familiar, yes, the Bible was, was written in primarily Greek and Hebrew, and then translated into English. But even in the English translation, there are super literal ones that are like word for word, and then there are more uh, loose translations that are more paraphrases. And so they say different things. Like some will say, instead of saying it has arrived, they say it's arriving. Others say it's at hand, it's come near, it's here. The old school ones say that it hath come nigh. That's fun. Um, But I really like has arrived because it's here. And, and the kingdom of heaven is here, and now it's shown up. It's already kicked in the door and been like, here I am! And it hits its hand on the, on the, um, on the music stand, and, and there we go. But also what's really cool about that term, has arrived. Man, I'm getting jacked up already. Whew, hadn't done this in a couple months. Right, yes. um, that is completely normal if you're new. I get hyper up here sometimes. So has arrived can literally mean to join one thing to another. So this whole where heaven and earth meet, we stole that from our theme verse because that's literally what, what, what Jesus is saying. When he says the kingdom of heaven has arrived, he's like heaven and earth are together. They are, they are meeting. And so it's, that's where we're going this year. I'm super excited uh, about this theme. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I like going through the gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth. Uh, I don't think there's any way to learn about Jesus better uh, than to do that. So we're going to be in Matthew uh, this year. It's going to be great. I'm going to pray, then we're going to dive in. Uh, God, thank you. Thank you for seeing this many people in this room. Uh, Thank you for your word, which is so available to us. And God, I just pray over the next little bit that you would uh, get me out of the way, say what you want to say, speak for me, and then hear for each of us uh, the message that that you know each of us need to hear, God. Uh, We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, new school year. New school, uh, for some of you, whether you're a first year or a transfer, Um, and maybe your school year hasn't started yet, I know UNG and Athens Tech don't start until until Monday, but it's coming, but when we have these new school years, oftentimes uh, new things lead to us having expectations, you know, expectations for what it's going to be like, but sometimes those expectations just, just get blown up, and it's just like, well, I did not see that coming. Like, for example, when in, in, in Empire Strikes Back, Luke travels. And I'm not one of these Star Wars preachers who like, has to use a Star Wars analogy all the time. But this one just popped into my head. Luke travels to meet the great Jedi warrior, Yoda. That was not what he expected to meet when he did. I mean, mmm, surprised he was. So that was not what he expected at all. Or, and this one—if anybody in the room has seen this movie other than Angela and me—I will be stunned. Anybody seen this Patrick Swayze movie, *Roadhouse*? So yeah, he was cracking up. He was seen it. Okay. So, Swayze plays this, like, the best bouncer in the whole world. He's like the, I think they call him the cooler, because he's not really the bouncer, because he's too cool to be the bouncer. But he's so good at cleaning up, like, sketchy bars and sketchy clubs, that every now and then, somebody will just come to the place he's working at, and offer him more money to go clean up their place. But every single time somebody meets him, they're like, all the stories I've heard, I thought you'd be bigger. And he's just like, mm mm-hmm, never heard that before. Or... One of the greatest unexpected things in film history. The cinematic masterpiece, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There is a character whose name is Tim. And Tim warns King Arthur and his knights that death awaits you all with nasty big pointy teeth. And they show up at this cave where the creature with the nasty big pointy teeth is supposed to be. And it's a white rabbit. And they're like, are you kidding me? And so the king sends one of his, and that, so that's their expectations are, you know, blown away. But then the king sends one of his knights down to kill the rabbit, which is killed a rabbit, killed a rabbit. <laughs> and then our expectations as the audience are blown away as the rabbit leaps from the ground to the guy's throat and bites his head off. So expectations. Like, for example, I bet none of you expected references to Star Wars, Roadhouse, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail in the first, like, ten minutes of the talk. If you had that on your bingo card, congratulations, you win. But expectations. You know, we have them. You've, you've brought them in uh, into the new school year. Uh, and maybe, you know, you didn't expect your phone to ring, but it just did. And that's okay. I mean, un- uh, unexpected things happen. That class that you were told was going to be super easy. You saw the syllabus yesterday, and you're like, drop ad, here we come. You know, or that. And don't look around in case your roommate's here. That roommate situation you thought was going to be awesome. You're like, they are a slob, man. What in the world? And so all of these different, we have these expectations going in. You thought for sure, I can walk to that class in no time. But you're from like down on the coast where it's flat, and it ain't flat here in Athens. You're just like, that's a big hill. My class is at the top of it. So expectations, you know, are a thing, and, and so being able to manage them is important, and, and manage them, I think, means setting realistic ones, which doesn't, you know, put you in a position to be unhappy with unmet expectations, It also not, puts, doesn't put others in an unfair position because your expectations were unrealistic of them, I mean, that's not fair, but also you have to be able to deal with unmet expectations, so expectations, you know, as we think about our expectations, well, is that realistic? Is, is, that, is that fair? And how am I going to handle them if they're not met? And expectation, y'all, is just part of life. I mean, it, it just is. And so that's why we're going to talk about it tonight. I think it's going to make tonight really useful to help us learn to manage our expectations, whether that means setting realistic ones or dealing with them when they're not met. But that's an important thing. Uh, and it's going to be helpful because our expectations can cause us to miss the truth of our theme verse, that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Now, I always like like asking questions, so kind of have one central question for each talk typically. Uh, And tonight, it's this. What are my expectations of heaven? This is just something I like doing. I think that questions stick better than statements and lists, even if the lists all start with the same letter and the statements rhyme. I just think questions stick better. And I always make them first-person questions because you asking you a question is way more impactful than me asking you a question. Okay, if I ask you a question, you can just ignore it and whatever. But if you're willing to actually ask yourself a question, that causes you and forces you to kind of dig in a little bit. So when you hear that word heaven, um, what comes to mind? And by the way, if you're new or forgotten, when I come down here, that means I actually—that means I'm not asking a rhetorical question. I actually want a little bit of discussion. So when you hear the word heaven, what do you got? Streets of gold. Streets of gold. Clouds. Pearly gates. Clouds. 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 Perfection. Perfection. Angel. Angels. No Angels. <laughs> no sin. Mansions. Lots of singing. Lots of singing. Infinite <laughs> oh, that's a good one. All the sweet tea you could drink. God. Yeah. God. Mm, there we go. Good. Good. That's one of our, that's one of our, ministry, that's one of our ministry assistants right there. Okay, let me, let me ask this. Instead of like, what do you think? This is kind of weird to think about, but when, when you think of heaven, when do you think? Like what time frame is that? When I die. None. When I die, or none, if you think about eternity. But we don't think of heaven as right now. We typically think of it as a, as a future promise, a future hope. But, you know, our, our theme verse kind of flies in the face of that, that the kingdom of heaven has already um, arrived. So, the, y'all said some really cool stuff there. Um, God, good call, Brenton, way to get us back on track. Um, but if it's just for when you die, then our theme verse, the kingdom of heaven has arrived, sounds strange right if you really th- this is why i think translations like is near are more popular because that lets us still think of it as a future thing well yeah it's close but it's not here yet but this translation really forces us to wrestle with the idea that maybe heaven's already here and here's the if this sounds strange to us because we think of heaven as a as a future thing we we actually have something in common with the people that actually heard jesus say this it would have sounded strange Uh, to them as well. Now, a little bit of background so you can understand kind of how they heard it. Um, The Jewish people of Jesus' day, Jesus was Jewish. His closest followers were were Jewish. All the, well, not all, but the vast majority of the first Christians uh, were Jewish. They were expecting something called the Messiah. Uh, And the Messiah is just a fancy Hebrew word that means king. So they've been waiting for a king literally for centuries. Uh, The Messiah is promised all throughout the first part of the Bible and they've been waiting, and they've been waiting, and they've been waiting, and they're expecting. But what they're expecting from their Messiah is a powerful warrior to ride in on a war horse, sword in hand, sword probably already dripping with some blood of his enemies, and to come in and kick the Romans back to Italy. Because in the first century Jewish world, they were under Roman occupation. So these words... The kingdom of heaven has arrived would have sounded right to the Jewish people of Jesus' day. They're like, yes, God's kingdom is here. Time to kick the Romans back to Italy. They can eat all the pasta they want and get out of our hair. (laughs) The words sounded right. But the man saying them didn't look right. Because it wasn't said by a warlord king on a battle horse. It was said by a regular dude who was a day laborer and worked with his hands, skilled in carpentry and probably also in masonry uh, also, that he was not what they were expecting. I mean, a a lot of these folks would be like, I I grew up with him. He lived down the road. You're telling me Jesus? So they were very thrown off uh, by this. They... He wasn't the one they were expecting, and neither was the kingdom of heaven the way that he talked about it. Which I think they their um, misinformed, I don't want to say uninformed, because they, they had some good ideas, but their misinformed expectations of the Messiah is why Jesus actually said something else before he said this. That's not all of Matthew 4.17. All of Matthew 4.17 actually reads, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Now, every year when we come up with a the theme, we decide how we're going to paint the room, and I always like having the theme verse on the wall. But I told our MAs, I was like, I don't want to paint the word repent on the wall. That is not exactly a fun word to walk into and see for the first time, to be like, Repent! And Wow, that's that's a lot. But but maybe like maybe maybe you've heard that word before, maybe maybe you haven't. Let's I'm going to come down here. Let's get this let's get some more talking going. Y'all did a good job first time by the way. How have you heard that word repent used, applied, taught? Like what have you seen and heard? Televangelism. Televangelism. What? Very negative. Very negative. Fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone. What's that? After you messed up, a guilt trip, counter protest, counter protest? ooh, accusatory, accusatory. Okay, yeah, that's y'all. That, that's all. That's all really good stuff. It, we do not have a happy feeling about this word, for the most part. Okay, it typically is. Um, yeah, it's pretty negative. Uh, the fire and brimstone well, my favorite, and by favorite I mean the most cringeworthy. Is uh, repent means turn or burn? It's like. <laughs> yikes, like, does that message work? It's just like, yeah, I see the word repent. I'm like, I'm turning, all right, I'm out. I mean, so, okay, so all, all good things that y'all have heard about it, but, but at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, but when Jesus said that, like, what do you really mean? So what I want to do real quick is I want to, if you're not familiar with this website, Bible Gateway uh, is a fantastic Bible resource. They've got an app too, but one thing that the website does that the app doesn't do is if you just search one verse, like Matthew 4.17, you can then click on a link that will show you every single English translation of it. And so you see a variety of different translations. And so when I did that with Matthew 4.17, instead of the word repent, here are what a variety of other translations uh, had to say. Um, Take a look at that list. Y'all are in college. I'm not going to read it to you. Um, So... What jumps out? What makes you go? What does that mean? What is that? Like, Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's bad. I don't like that. What but what just as you look at that? Turn back to God. Turn back to God. Okay. What do you guys Change do? Your heart. Change your hearts. Nicholas, what you got, man? Amend your lives. Amend. Yeah, interesting word choice. Literally only one translation uses that word. So what's up, man? Can I ask what do penance mean? Or do penance? I knew somebody was going to, so yes, thank you for doing that. And thanks for asking because somebody else is wondering and just didn't want to ask. Um, that's, the, that's the education major right there doing that for you. So, um, <laughs> so um, penance is something you do outwardly. It's an outward action that shows that something has changed inwardly. Um, oftentimes, uh, church traditions that have um, confessionals, uh, oftentimes a, a priest or, or, or a church figure uh, as part of your confession and part of your repentance of that will suggest that you do something um, outwardly. So that, yes, yeah, so that's kind of what, what that means. Um, so yeah, so a lot, of, a lot going on there. By the way, y'all are in school mode and raised your hands. You don't have to do that. Um, that I, I'm, I'm, I used to teach middle schoolers. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, so don't raise your hands. Just, it's why it's fine. That's, that's, if, I, if I'm here, cool. Um, okay, so let me ask you a question. When you look at that, what words do you see over and over again? Turn. Everybody said turn first. Nobody wanted to say the c-word. Change. Oh no. Change. Change is hard. That's why I prefer cash. It's softer. Um, I'm proud of that one. That was a good one. But change, like, like you. Some of y'all are never going to admit it, but you don't like this new carpet because it's different even though it's glorious. Like, I came in the first, I just laid down, and I was like, it's fantastic. There's, there's no speed bumps in it. Uh, if, if you're new, our old, our old carpet needed to be stretched, and there were ripples, we called them speed bumps. But, but I, I get it, y'all. Change can seem scary. But for those of you who are familiar with what our front steps and our front porch used to look like, you know that sometimes not changing is scarier. Um, <laughs> And thankfully, our front porch and our front steps have been completely rebuilt over the summer. Totally, yes, totally uh, safe. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, change. Oh, it's, it, can be, it can be hard. But y'all, it's often necessary. And oftentimes, one of the main reasons it's necessary is because our expectations just weren't realistic. They weren't fair. They, they, were, they were faulty. So I think I think that's a big reason Jesus started his kingdom of heaven message, his public ministry. Um, That theme verse is Jesus' first public words. Okay, in Matthew chapter 3 and in Matthew chapter 2 or Matthew chapter 4, he's had some one on one conversations. Those are his first public words. Like, literally, his first public words or word is repent. Okay, change the way you think and act turn your mind, change the way you're you're doing things. I think he does that because he understood that his audience needed some changing regarding how they view the kingdom. Okay, Then, because they had faulty expectations of the king, and now, because we have faulty expectations of heaven. So again, back to our question. What are my expectations of heaven? Now, 13-year-old Donnie, that was a long time ago, uh, 13-year-old Donnie expected that heaven was way better than the alternative. Uh, so I got baptized when I was 13. I grew up in a church tradition that didn't do infant baptisms or christenings or anything like that. Uh, and you typically got baptized when you were 12, 13, 14. If you had your learner's license and hadn't been baptized yet, people kind of started looking like, what's going on? But y'all, straight up, I got baptized when I was 13 because I was scared of hell. Just straight up. Okay, I would imagine I'm not the only one in the room uh, who that is part of, uh, uh, of your story. Um, but fear is a terrible reason to do something. Okay, fear is a horrible reason to do something because doing something out of fear results in only doing it enough that you don't have to deal with whatever you are afraid of. Okay, that was really wordy, but let's say that again. Doing something out of fear results in only doing it enough to not have to face whatever you're afraid of. Like, for example, You're driving down the road. You're going 25, 26, 27 over the limit, and you see a cop. Do you continue going 25, 26, 27 over the limit? No. You slow down for everyone's personal safety, right? No. You slow down to avoid that super speeder. You're not afraid of what might happen if you wreck at that speed. You're afraid of a ticket. Okay? And that's messed up. Okay? We... Driving, your personal safety, sure, but all the other people around you also, especially in Athens right now, where oh, it's like every single new student has two cars and is driving both of them simultaneously somehow. <laughs> it's like, what is go- I don't even understand how it works. But yeah, but fear is a lousy reason to do something. It's a lousy reason to do this. It's a lousy reason not to do that. Okay, but that's what the Jewish people of Jesus' day wanted. They wanted a leader to strike fear into the heart of the Romans because the Romans struck fear into their hearts. And so they wanted that flipped. And, and I think, honestly, that's a big part of what Jesus knew the people of his day needed to change was that, that motivation of, of fear and of vengeance, but primarily to not be motivated by fear. And y'all, 2,000 years later... Not a lot has changed, really. I mean, fear may, not, may be a terrible reason to do something, but it still motivates us a lot. So again, back to our question. What are my expectations of heaven? Is fear an expectation of heaven? Do you, do you expect to have fear in heaven? No. Why not? Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's in the Bible. Matthew just quoted scripture. Boom! Yeah. I really thought somebody would say, well, you're dead already. That's the thing to fear, right? <laughs> so, do you know, though, that more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of dying? Every time they do, every, every single time I've ever seen a poll about your biggest fears, public speaking is always first and death is second which means you'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy at a funeral <laughs> so which is just like what in the world but but yeah there's there's no need there's no need there's no need for fear because you're hanging out in heaven you're with god you're with jesus why in the world would we fear and i think that is also a big reason for jesus's last words in matthew it's fascinating when you look at how Matthew um, writes his gospel. It is just, it's so, so cool. But in, 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 at the very end, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we read this. This is Jesus talking to his closest followers. So go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey every obey. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. And I will be with you always, even until the end of this age. I will be with you always. Not just when things are good. Not just when you feel good. Always. In that class that you have to have, and you realized yesterday that, oh, this is going to be really, really bad. Okay? In that you know, situation that you thought was going to be way better when you came back and saw some friends you haven't seen all summer and things aren't looking super hot. When you're eating lunch in the dining hall by yourself again, you're not by yourself, okay? Jesus is with you always. That is, that's super comforting. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. It didn't leave when Jesus left, Okay, it's not like he said, Well, I'm taking it with me. Good luck. All right, the kingdom of heaven has, has arrived. Now, I can't, in good conscience, put this passage up here and not at least for a second talk about a word in it that is, is, is a difficult word in religious circles. Where'd it go? There we go. That one right there. That word, obey. Oh, boy. Oh, Um What do you think? What comes to your mind? How do you feel? What? Parents. Parents? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rules. Patriarchy. 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 <laughs> Patriarchy. Trust. Trust? Group mm. think. Group think. Okay. All right. What? Listen. Listen. Yeah. Don't think. Don't think. Just, ooh. Oh, interesting. Hmm, interesting, interesting. So yeah, just, it's not a word we like because, you know, a lot of us aren't big fans of authority and that means somebody else is in control and I mean, that's no fun. Oftentimes we obey because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't, right? I mean, fear figures into it. For sure. And so I, I want to share a quote with you um, that I think is a really powerful help with this whole idea that Jesus is with us always, Jesus loves us, and that obedience is still an important thing, because I do, I, I do think it is. Um, and, and before the quote's up there, I want to say one thing real quick about it. Um, the quote is comparing religion and the good news of Jesus. Now here's the thing. I know I know the person who not personally, but I know I've read enough of his stuff, heard enough of his talks. Uh, the person who says this, a man named Tim Keller, uh, uh, Christian minister up in New York, passed away a couple months ago. Actually, wrote a lot of books. Um, I know that when he uses the word religion, he means like institutional religion, like what it's kind of become. Okay, because the interesting thing about religion, if you look at the biblical definition. Okay, in the book of James, which is written by Jesus' brother. Yeah, wrap your head around that. Jesus' kid brother was convinced he was the Messiah. Must have been pretty convincing. Um, He did come back from the dead. That'll do it. Um, (laughs) But James said that religion that is pure and false before God is taking care of widows and orphans and keeping oneself polluted from the world. Taking care of widows and orphans and not being polluted by the world. That sounds pretty good. Okay, so instead of saying religion's a bad thing, let's take back that definition and make it a biblical definition. Because taking care of widows and orphans, not being polluted by the world, that's pretty good. Okay, but here's the quote from Tim Keller. Religion, that institutional religion, says, I obey, therefore I am loved. But the good news of Jesus says, I am loved, therefore I obey. I mean, y'all, the English language is fascinating. It's the exact same words, but you rearrange them, you get a completely different thing. If I obey, if I do good enough, maybe he'll love me. Maybe she'll love me. Maybe they'll love me. And Jesus says, no. Jesus says you're loved unconditionally. And when you start wrapping your mind around that, doing what he Tells you to do is not that big of a deal. But I think this whole obedience thing gets back again to our question of what are my expectations of heaven? I think a lot of us, our expectations of heaven is that right before they close the gates, we're going to maybe sneak in. And, you know, hopefully somebody doesn't realize that we're in there. Because if they do, they're going to kick us out. We sneak in at the last minute. Okay. Here's the problem with that. I have at least two problems with that at least. One's really big picture, and one's um, more of a small picture, one Bible verse type thing. The big picture issue I have with that is that's not how God works. That's not what grace is about. And secondly, nowhere in the Bible, when it talks about the gates in heaven, the pearly gates, nowhere does it say they're closed. In fact, it says they're always open. Okay, I remember once seeing somebody say, well, I've heard that, you know, heaven has walls and gates. Well, yeah, but walls don't do any good if the gates are wide open. It's almost like God wants everybody to be with Him for all eternity. Oh, wait, He does. And you're like, no, you don't don't know me, Donna. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You're right. But I do know that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. Okay, and we're gonna try to also. I say try to because we're not perfect. Okay, we're we're loud around here, and we're and we're weird, and I make way too many dad jokes. Okay, but if you'll hang out here, I guarantee you'll find a community unlike any other for sure, and it'll be in a good way. But this idea of just sneaking into heaven, this is not the way it works. So I want to I wanna give us a question, another question. I don't typically change the question. I'm doing that because the what are my expectations of heaven, I think we can kind of just be content to think with that. And thinking is good. Thinking is good. Um, but sometimes doing something makes the thinking more real. So let's think about this question a little bit longer. It was even longer than this before Angela helped me pare it down because, man, it was wordy. Um, How would my life change if if I expected to encounter intersections of heaven and earth every day? How would my life change if I expected to encounter intersections of heaven and earth every day? Because here's the thing. The question isn't, will I encounter a place where heaven and earth meet today? The question is, what will I do at those intersections? Because you are going to find those places. You will find places where heaven and earth meet. You, I, I think we miss a lot of them, but they're going to be there. So think about intersections. Like back to our theme slide uh, for a second. When you reach an intersection, you have a choice to make. Which way am I going to go? Okay, am I going to turn? Am I going to keep going straight? Am I going to turn around and go back the way I came from? What am I going to do? And we make our decision based on where we think that direction is leading, where we want to go. And I want to encourage us to go Jesus' way. What's really cool is that Jesus actually calls himself the way. Uh, In one of the other accounts of his time on earth, he calls himself uh, the way. And encourages us to follow him. That's always, by the way, that's always Jesus' invitation. Is follow me. That's that's always what he invites and encourages us to do. Is to follow. And so, you're going to come to these intersections all day long. Places where heaven and earth meet. Just like when you're driving around Athens. You're going to come to some intersections. Some of them are, whoo. Um, There's a place back here where Millage Circle intersects with itself Twice. Um, and it's not a circle. And by the way, if you're new to Athens, the loop is not a loop. Don't think you'll just keep going around in a circle. You will not. Um, but Jesus, Jesus loves us, and he wants us to obey the things he taught, not because he gets a, a power trip out of it, but, but because he knows what he taught is best. Like read Matthew chapters five, six, and seven, the Sermon on the Mount. And tell me life would not be tons better for the planet if people did that. He wants us to obey everything he's taught us. We're not never gonna do that perfectly. But my hope for each of us, and my challenge to each of us, I always like to give us a challenge, is that we'll live every day like heaven's already here, like it's already arrived, because it has. Okay, it has. How would my life change if I expected to encounter intersections of heaven and earth every day? Because you will. Okay? You're, you're going to be like, hmm, that just, something is telling me to do this or whatever. Or you're going to be, you're going to be driving back from campus and out of nowhere, a red-tailed hawk's going to fly over the street and you're going to be like, I see you, God. i I. I feel like God shows Himself to me in birds. It's weird, but that's just that's just where I am. I see it in frogs. See, that's true. <laughs> Nicholas does indeed. Um, so, you're, if you start expecting this, you'll start seeing them more. You will. Okay, you absolutely will. Um, all right, I'm about done. Typically, how I wrap things up for those of you that are new, or in, in case you have forgotten, typically do the question one last time, and then do this blessing. Uh, not like, thank you for this food, um, though that's a good thing. But a blessing like, may God bless you in this way. And it's a blessing that comes, um, it comes from one of Paul's letters. If you're not familiar with Paul, he's the first ever Christian missionary. Traveled around the world telling people about Jesus. Started a bunch of churches, wrote a bunch of letters to those churches. Um, and we have a lot of them in, in the, the latter part of the Bible. And he wrote this blessing uh, to this one church in the city of Corinth. And I just really love it. And then what I do is I add a part that kind of relates to the, to the talk, just to give us kind of one last thing uh, to, to think about. I always encourage I don't know if you're a note-taker or not, but I always think the question probably the most important thing to write down. Um, and, 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 okay, one last thing. I know, I'm, I know I'm going along. It's the first one. Um, when you walk out of here, the, the double doors, the door on the left has the phone number of every staff member, every graduate assistant, every ministry assistant. We don't want this conversation to end on Thursday nights. Every single one of us would love to talk to you. We love continuing the conversation. I love talking Bible and talking Jesus uh, with students. I love when people plop down in, in, in the, the couch right in front of my desk in the green office and like, okay, about this from Thursday night, or I read this the other day. Makes our day. Okay, so please, do, if you have questions, if you want to talk more, we would love to do that. Okay, and I think when we do that, we're at an intersection. where heaven and earth meet. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we live where heaven and earth meet. Let's pray, y'all. Do what you do. God, thank you. Thank you that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Thank you that uh, you are with us always. Thank you for each person in this room right now. Uh, God, I ask that... uh, that you would make this year on Thursday nights and every day of the week um, exactly what you want it to be for CCF and for each of us, God. Um, God, I just pray that every student who is new to Athens, whether they're uh, at, at UNG or Athens Tech or um, or UGA, wherever they are, God, I pray that, that you would show them the Christian community that you want for them. And I pray it's here. I realize that for everybody it's not. Uh, But God, I just pray that you would help all of us find that community that you know we need. Uh, God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you uh, for his example. Thank you for for loving us and for showing us uh, and for Jesus being the way uh, for us to follow, God. Thank you for bringing heaven here. And thank you for always being with us, God. Help us to, to see those intersections, God. Give us your eyes uh, to see the places where heaven and earth meet. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.